Welcome to Booty and Bossy Eat, Drink, Knit. This is episode 18. And I'm going to turn it over to Booty. So this is Bossy by <laughs> implication. <laughs> this right. is Booty. And we had said in our last episode that we had another recipe for your abundance of zucchini Mm. so this one is also a mother-in-law recipe this one comes from my mother-in-law fanny de marcheville and it is her recipe for ratatouille all the way from france from france and i must say i look forward to summer visits at fanny's house in the countryside and she always makes this. And my daughter and I both really look forward to this recipe. It has this great summer vegetable melange. Mix. Melange. Yes. A melange. Of Good French word there. Yes. It, it also, it qualifies for the one pot, mm-hmm. which we like. It does involve a fair amount of chopping, but it's pretty easy chopping. I would say, I mentioned this a while ago, but learning how to cut the onions or stir fry or or whatever, it's a total game changer when you slice it through the root instead of cutting off the root. So I'll put in another link for that because I was, (laughs) as I was making this, I was thinking, oh, I love how easy it is now to chop onions. So that you basically start with your onions and your eggplant or aubergine. And in her recipe in French, she says, Pour la ratatouille de nana, il faut respecter les proportions. And that means for nana's ratatouille, you have to respect the proportions. (laughs) And I think it's kind of true. Like you don't want, any one vegetable to stand out over the other ones because you have a lot of vegetables in here you want to have zucchini eggplant tomatoes onions pepper i would say those are kind of the main ones but if you wanted to go rogue you Mm. could add other vegetables you you could add squash I don't know. I feel like then you would be not respecting the proportions. <laughs> I, I do have to say I took very seriously her commandment to respect the proportions. And I used one onion, one eggplant, two belle courgettes or zucchini. I love the fact that it said belle, yes. which I know means good, but it also means beautiful. And so I, I I like the idea that you needed to use two beautiful zucchini. Bell is sort of good sized, like not too small, not too big. I also have to say that Google Translate actually translated the recipe pretty well. I was surprised. So the two zucchini, three or four bell tomate. You could, if you wanted to use really big ones you maybe only use one or two if you have smaller ones like i had i maybe used six or seven and then a red or 
yellow pepper. She says green as well, but I, I prefer mm. the red or yeah, yellow. I used yellow. Yeah, I feel like green would make it a different thing. Right. I'm also not a big fan of green pepper, so yeah. Um and then garlic if you like if, it. If you like it, which we do. I think she put that in there because she knows that my husband, her son, does not like garlic. Mm. <laughs> and yet you're still married to him. It's a I wonder. Have to say I would most French people would say ratatouille has to have garlic. <laughs> and then thyme and bay leaves and olive oil, salt and pepper. That's pretty yeah. simple recipe. I mean, most of these things I would have in my larder. I probably have to get the zucchini and the eggplant and maybe the pepper, but so that she says you wash and cut the vegetables in not too small pieces. Then in a frying pan, you add the olive oil and you heat it up and then you add your onion and your eggplant and you cook those for a little while. I think the eggplant and the onion generally take a little longer to cook. That's why. Then you add your zucchini and your pepper and your tomatoes and your herbs, whatever you're using. And then you cover it and you cook it for, let's say, 20, yeah. 30 minutes. Her, her recipe said 30 minutes, but she also said, and I appreciate it as much as she said, respect the proportions. She also, at the end, allowed a little bit of leeway. She said, try it and modify it if necessary. Yeah, this <laughs> is very generous. Yes. I should say uh, my mother-in-law is also a really amazing knitter and she does knitting and she does a lot of needlepoint. She's covered all the chairs, her dining room chairs in needlepoint, the I, arm chairs and the, the back, the seat. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm just in awe of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, work. We'll have to put in a picture in the show notes of she also made a piano cover for a friend and that was I mean that's a huge project I think it took her a year she didn't needle point it did she? yes oh my god she needle pointed it that seems like some kind of job that you would be assigned to in like the ninth circle of hell you now got to needle point a grand piano cover um, oh, oh yeah. the seat the oh, seat <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was but, like this whole cover. No, no, no. That's like one of those art installations where they you know, cover. Yeah. They do do that, but they get you know probably hundreds of people to each do a square, and then they cover. But yeah, no. But this was, I would say, close to the nice sort circle of hell. Maybe the eighth circle. Mm. Mm. <laughs> But so anyway, and I think this recipe is really easy and very healthy. Michelle Obama. And it does. Been. Yeah, it does keep well. I mean, I would say start to finish because one of the things I liked about it is that you, you, know, you start with the onions and the eggplant. And while basically in the amount of time that those need a little bit more cooking, you can chop up the zucchini and the pepper and the garlic and sort of have those ready and then you throw them in her recipe did say 
cook on medium heat for 30 minutes. And I probably would have cut about 10 minutes off of that um, so that things could have a little bit more bite. I was surprised that she says, ideally a walk. Well, that might be because her daughter cooks a lot of Chinese food. So she's had a walk for a long time. So I'm not sure where that came from, but a walk. I know. That's very cross-cultural for a French ratatouille recipe. Made me tempted to get a walk, but I did not. I just did it in a big frying pan. I did it in a Dutch oven, Mm -hmm. in an enamel Dutch oven. I have to say, when I made it, I gave it to my husband and he said, this is good, but it needs cheese. (laughs) And all I could think of was that story you told me. (laughs) It was actually my, so it was my mother-in-law's mother. It wasn't my mother-in-law. We were all sitting around eating. And this was when my husband and I were dating and I was trying to make a good impression, you know, and they brought out the cheese tray. And here I am, the American who's so excited about being in France and getting to try all this cheese. And so I was carefully taking just a little bit of each one, but not taking any more than anybody else. (laughs) And my husband's grandmother says to me, don't eat too much cheese. It's very fattening. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I know every time I put cheese on something, I think about that. And I can hear <laughs> everybody saying, maybe if you didn't eat so much cheese. <laughs> but, you know, do not listen to that. Eat no. the cheese if you want to eat the cheese. Sheesh. Well, and I do have a recommendation for, for a kind of cheese. I get this Belgioso salad blend and I just get it at BJ's. I'm sure they have it at Costco. It's freshly shaved, a savory blend of Asiago, Parmesan, provolone, and Romano cheeses. It's so good because it's big shaved chunks. And this is now sort of a staple in my refrigerator larder because it's great on pasta. It I did add it to the ratatouille salads. And every time I put it in something and I have somebody over, they're like, oh, where did you get this cheese? So we will put a picture of it in the show notes because that is definitely a great thing. You know, and it comes in a decent sized bag, but it keeps for a while. And like I said, you can put it on pretty much. Actually, I've even frozen it too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, And then just got it out and stuff so yeah belgioso salad blend freshly shaved cheese and don't listen to the voice that says (laughs) maybe if you didn't eat so much cheese yeah (laughs) and i also like it with couscous i think Mm. has a nice flavor couscous can take on that neutral side so we're saying you know make a whole bunch of vegetables and then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> had a lot of cheese dump a bunch of cheese on it because that's american <laughs> and then some starch eat some, and some starch and then it'll be really good you know maybe yeah. some bread <laughs> that could yeah i could see that yeah you know you, you could know. do like a french bread with your ratatouille and then the cheese on top i think that would be amazing and if anybody oh. tries it let us know <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of cooking, I had to laugh because last weekend we dropped my son off at college. He's in his sophomore year and he's now in an apartment. At the beginning of the summer, he said that he wanted to have some cooking lessons. Guess how many cooking lessons we had by the time we were driving him back to school? <laughs> but he had made a list of recipes. The first recipe that he wanted to make was pork pasoli. And so here's what you do. I figured out these are the steps that you do to mentor your son through cooking in college. So step one, you make a podcast <laughs> about cooking and then you make a website yeah. that has some of his favorite recipes on the website. And then you refer them to the website when they're ready to make it. And then they send you a text, and I'm going to read this. This is word for word the text that I got. Quote, Mom, can you send me detailed instructions on how to cook the pork pasoli? Because your booty and bossy guide doesn't say anything. Unquote. <laughs> like, thanks, Tom. No, I had taken the screenshot of just the, I said, well, the first thing you want to do is marinate the pork you know so I took a screenshot of the marinade but I don't think he actually went on because you know here's the other thing just because you're in college that doesn't mean that you read anything I discovered <laughs> this. Not well reading. and I, we should mention that the pork basole was on episode 13 yes but he did succeed there were a number of he had to send a number of pictures like, is this the right pot to make it in? And it looked like a ceramic pot. And I was like, do not put that on the stove. <laughs> and then he turned it over and took another picture of the bottom and said, I think it's metal. Right. And so I was like, okay, metal yeah. is okay. Well, my son has been making um, yuca bread. That was in episode eight with Lelita. And it looks good. He's been sending pictures. Looks good. But <laughs> we were going to talk about dropping your child off mm. in college. Yes, because, well, first of all, I actually asked mom this. Hi, mom. Mm -hmm. I was like, when, when you dropped me off, was it this much work for you? <laughs> and she was like, remember it being that much work I do remember that we locked the keys in the car and had to take the train home that was me yes just what you and, and I literally remember when we pulled up in front of my dorm which was like on Chestnut Street in Philly there weren't any parking spots and so I remember dad saying okay I'm, I'm just gonna slow down and you jump out. Now you go and there's a moving company and they take everything out of your car. You give them what your dorm room number is. And then, and they even ask you which bed you go up and everything is just magically on your bed. Yeah. So that was pretty great. But I do have to say all the preparation ahead of time, I just, I felt like I was 
preparing a Viking funeral ship? Is he going to have enough deodorant in the afterlife? And I do think there is that weird sense where, I mean, you really are preparing them. There is this way that you're preparing them for another life. It's the life after the life they've had in your home. There is this weird, and I think there is this sense of, it's this weird death of the current life and the preparation for a new life. So it's it's really bittersweet because yes. it's exciting, but it's also sad. And then you're, I'm just plagued with these thoughts of he'll never survive in the wild. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't know what pan to cook this in. <laughs> he needs well, to send me pictures of stirring, saying, "Does how does this look? Does this look okay?" And what I loved about when you're the first year, so this was his sophomore year, his freshman year, when you dropped him off, he immediately became the grilled cheese guy. He would be making grilled cheese sandwiches for everyone, anybody who wanted a grilled cheese sandwich. Eventually he put up some kind of a PayPal or (laughs) Venmo. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, he clearly was capable of not only feeding himself, but everyone else. But I just feel like there are so many moments where he's like, mom, can you open this up for me? He doesn't, he can't open wrappers. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) like cheese wrappers, like he never could open those up. Due to COVID circumstances, our son wound up in a single apartment by himself on the edge of campus and directly across from the football stadium which was interesting. It was an apartment or it is an apartment building, but it is basically student housing. It's just private student housing. So he moves in and we had to just take what was left, which was an apartment that was too big, really. So the next year I said, all right, well, why don't you try to get to a smaller apartment? And so he did. So we were basically moving him from one floor to another floor. Mm. And we go into the new apartment and nothing worked. The refrigerator was making this awful racket and it was a studio. So the bed was like right next to the refrigerator. (laughs) You know, it wasn't way far away. And in the bathroom, the toilet leaked. The shower didn't work. It was just not livable so we go down into the office and there's this huge line of people who are all complaining about airing their grievances <laughs> nothing working and this this kid who's also a student and the manager i come in there and i'm thinking okay we got to get them to repair all these things because he can't live there and he can't move out of his old apartment until the new apartment is fixed so we go in there and this this manager kid says, well, you have to move out because if you don't move out, we will change the locks and then you won't be able to. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just sort of really was sort of, I don't know, stunned. <laughs> like, OK, you're not the aggrieved party in this little exchange here. We we are the aggrieved party. Yeah. It just seemed like, really? Is that really how you're presenting this? This is how you're managing this business. So 
I mean, I guess somebody might have told him to say that probably in his training. Somebody said that. So then the next day, my son is in line again with all the people who have grievances and he starts talking to this other kid in line. And this other kid is, is complaining because that manager is living in his apartment (laughs) and he won't won't leave. (laughs) I said, well, did you tell him to change the locks? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a great picture of my son standing next to the shower head because my, my husband walked him through going to the hardware store, getting a wrench and figuring out <laughs> to turn off. And he lived with a wrench for the shower, the leaking toilet and he managed to fix the refrigerator himself, but he lived with those two things for several months. And it took several months also for them to get him a mail key. <laughs> so because oh, you don't need that mail. There's, I feel like there is a whole book about this apartment building, or it should, should be at least part of a novel because yeah. it was some Ann Tyler or something like that, I guess. Well, freshman year, I remember every time I would call my son, I'd hear the beep of the smoke alarm in <laughs> his room. And they're very strict about fire and safety that you cannot tamper with a smoke alarm in a dorm room. But when the battery needed to be replaced, they let him know it took them three months to replace it. I, I would have gone insane. Yes. To, you know, and they, they were, I was like, oh, doesn't that bother you? It's like, no, I don't really know how to set but oh yeah in fact that that is actually one of the features of i think it's netflix the the sackler family oh yeah richard sackler he there's a smoke alarm that keeps beeping and he keeps waking up (laughs) oh that's right that's at the beginning of it yeah yeah it's in a lot of episodes like this is the way to insanity here yeah no, and I remember then the second term there, their room was really hot mm-hmm. and they kept calling and saying our room is so hot and it got so bad that kids would come in to visit them and they'd be like, you know, it's kind of smelly in here. <laughs> and instead of being and like, you know, well, <laughs> all night we're, we're sweating and we're two boys. You know? <laughs> and you know, if those kids are complaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but we did find a website, 40 Thoughts at College Drop-Off, that we would recommend. I like number eight. This is stupid. There's nothing wrong with going to college and living at home. And then I am not brave and strong. I am losing it. And by Last the way, these week, are in the moms who are having these yes. thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I have raised a pack rat. Yeah. Also, I'm not old enough to have kids in college. Who am I? That is definitely true. Well, thankfully, my daughter decided to live at home. (laughs) See, because there's nothing wrong with living at home. home. Yeah, maybe after all the trauma of the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. But it is such a, a sort of pivotal moment. And I feel like people don't really talk about it that much I will also say though that you know how there's that phenomenon of male refrigerator blindness and male cupboard blindness 
Well, I learned that there's a new threshold. So I got all these groceries for my son. Like I had this idea that, well, I'll buy him the spices and stuff like that. He put them all away himself. He put them in the wrong place, but I tried not to say anything. And then he texted me and said, where is the jar of better than bullion that he put away himself? And I had to send him a picture of it because he was like, what does it look like? The magic thing. When at least he remembered to use it. Yeah. No, that was good. And, and I did, I wasn't going to send him with a whole bunch of chicken stock. Right. And that stuff's great. I have to say that's another product. Yeah. Unpaid advertising. Right. <laughs> and I think you can also get it at Costco, which is nice because you can get a larger. Yeah. And it keeps, but yeah. anyway, it's a weird, bittersweet moment. And I, I will say one thing I learned about last year was before I left to drop him off, I started the baby blanket that ended up the baby blanket and the matching bunny. Mm -hmm. And so I knew this time around, I needed to have a significant project on the needles because that would be my (laughs) way of keeping sane. So I guess that's our transition to the solution is, is knitting. What I had on my needle, which I'm very, you know, Booty had sent me a five skein package of yarn, super swirl five color set in mellow DK, 100% merino for my birthday, with a pattern super swirl shawl by Trudy Fedorko from U2 Yarn. You spelled E-W-E to yarn. Yes. So I started that before I left. I think I'm on the fourth color. And that has been very therapeutic for me to get through. Excellent. Well, we were talking about how when you reach the glorious fall and you get to knit with DK or in worst yes. <laughs> and it feels so good after all of that fingering well there's two things there's the very thin yarn that, yes and and then there's linen and cotton which are lovely but not always so lovely to work with on your hands there's something about that wool fiber that feels really good so I stopped knitting the raccoon, which is, you know, there's like on size two needles. I, I will finish it. But yeah, it was so nice to work with size six needles. I felt like I was knitting with shotguns, but in a really nice way. And with yarn instead of thread. You know? yes, exactly. I finished a felted purse and the yarn for that is... Biche et bouche, le gros lames wool. And somehow that is very French, but it is made in the UK. So it's 100% lambs wool. And the lanolin, when I was working with it, was so nice. Mm. Just made my hands really soft. And this is the final product, which... Oh, you put the button on. I put a button on it. Put a button and, on it. Put a bird on it. And 
I think I'm going to or use it on Saturday to a knitting event to go to a knitting event. Oh, nice. So that is are it. You, are you going to line it? So what I'm hoping is I ordered a purse insert from Amazon and I waited until it was done to see what the dimensions mm. are. Cause with the felted project, you never really know what you're going to get at the end. I mean, sometimes you can make it smaller if you run it through again, but you definitely can't make it bigger once you've. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping that'll work to just pop that inside as a insert. So while you were willing to spend hours and hours knitting and felting, you're not going to spend 45 minutes to sew your own little liner. Right. That's that is correct. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I did do it once and I gave it the purse to a friend of mine because she liked it. So <laughs> I, not so I don't want to like craft shame you, but, um, <laughs> Well, this seems like it would work really well. If it doesn't, then I will go mm. and probably line. I mean, you don't you don't really have to line it. I could put in my wallet and what other stuff, whatever stuff I wanted in there. But I don't know. It. I mean, if you get any kind of stuff in the bottom yeah. of the purse, then it's yeah, it's nice if you have a liner. But, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of when I went up to the New Hampshire Craft Fair in August. They have a big fair up at Mount Sunapee. There was a woman there, Carrie Cahill Mulligan, who made felted hats. I think she's been going there for 20 years. And she, um, she what was really cool was she had a couple of examples of the, the hat before it was felted. And I mean, you couldn't even believe how big it was probably two feet high and maybe 18 inches wide at the bottom. And they were these big stocking hats. And then she explained that she would put them in her washer and she over the years figured out with the wool what was the right number of times to put it through. And she had this example, and I didn't really understand this, that I sort of thought, well, it just felts and it shrinks up, but she had this example of a tiny little bowl that <laughs> started off as one of those hats. And then it was, <laughs> I have to say, I ran this through my washer three times. I actually didn't run it through the dryer. I probably could have, I just ran it with a couple of towels, ran it through when you make a felted project, it's nice if it doesn't have to fit your head. <laughs> well, that was what she was saying, too, is that she spends a lot of time. So there's the time to knit it. She said it usually takes about seven hours or so. And then she washes it. And then she says, I spend a lot of time just stretching it to create the shape for it. And she says, I'm like pulling on it with my feet and mm. stuff really manipulating it to get it to the shape that I want they're really cool we'll put a link in there yeah I love though that she started off I was reading about her she started off as a park ranger in Alaska for 10 years and she wanted a hat that she could wear on the dog trail and then into town so that was the genesis of that and she said 
if wearing one of my hats means you get out and enjoy the outdoors just a little bit more than I've done my job. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, I should mention that the purse was a pattern called Felt Cute by Marie Green. And I will be meeting right. her on Saturday. So that is why I wanted to make sure to finish it. I did vary it. I put in a flap and I made the strap for it, belted. The pattern had it as just an open bag and then it had I-cord straps. Oh, yeah. Put in. So I just yeah. did a little bit of a variation on it. But yeah, it's really fun. It's, it's so much fun to do a small felted project. Yeah. Well, that's what I liked about I forget which episode it is, but when I made the Christmas stockings out of sweaters. Like special Christmas bonus. That was our special Christmas bonus. Yes. But, and for that, I mean, and again, it's perfect because whatever size they come out, that's the size of your stocking. If it's big, you get more presents. (laughs) If it's small, you don't get as many. I just first made the stocking out of just cutting it and then felted it after yeah, yeah. no we yeah. love felting felting yeah is, uh, yeah it's kind of a magic thing but it is so the yarn that i got for this felted project i got at a really nice yarn shop in bainbridge island it's called la mercerie i think i'm saying that right and the woman who owns that actually was the one who had the whole flock festival, the flock fiber festival in the summer that came to Seattle. She was the brains behind all of that. So I'm passing by this yarn shop in Bainbridge Island and who is there but Amy Gill or Gilles, who is the owner of La Bienname, which is a French yarn shop. Spell, is it G-I-L-L-E? Is that how you say it? Yeah, G-I-L-L-E. Yes. Oh, okay. But, and so, you know, I had been in France and did not see her, although I went to shops that carried her yarn. There's a really nice one in Paris called Little Weasel that is about two blocks from my sister-in-law. She goes there all the time. Mm. <laughs> and my mother-in-law goes there a lot too. It's when in one of those little arcades they have in Paris. So it's quite charming. And we went when it was pouring, pouring rain. And here we are in the little arcade getting out of the, out of the rain. And so I did not meet her there, but here, here I was in Bainbridge Island and there was Amy Gilles from France. France. And she, she had been at Flock. I actually did stalk her at Flock. So I did. She was coming out of the bathroom. <laughs> you are like, shameless. I, I was like, <gasps> she's just really, really nice. She's a she's a wonderful person. She's written two books, Neons and Neutrals, which I had her sign, and then well, her first book was Worsted, and my mother in law had gotten me a signed copy of that which was wonderful and then the neon and neutral of uh, someone from my knit camp group had gotten me a book plate and that was wonderful (laughs) so I had both of her books signed but bossy didn't have 
her book. No, that was part of my birthday package, which I have to say was quite special. So that I got the skeins and the shawl pattern and the Amy Gilles book. So and yeah, and I think it's win, a, win, win. It's a really good book. I think her they're both really good. I mean, I know I think she has a really good approach with the neons and neutrals because not everybody is a fan of the neon. Yes. But you can take a pattern and that's in neons. Stephen West does a lot of neon and you can make it very neutral and do your own thing. So yeah, yeah, that was really a fun. That was, I was very excited. Also, I had a friend who I texted her right after I met Amy and she said, go back and get me a book. Yeah. So it's really nice to have, you know, people that are get as excited as I do about nerdy knitting stuff. Also, Bossy gets really excited (laughs) about making her cursor bigger. Well, I did spend half my life looking for my cursor. I felt like on my tombstone, it was going to say, it's too bad she wasted so much time looking for her cursor. <laughs> she could have done so much more, achieved so much more, but she was looking for her cursor. <laughs> so the student was in, and the student, mind you, is legally blind, but she had her computer with her, and her cursor was really big. And I said, oh, you can make your cursor that big? And she said, oh, yeah, you just go into settings. So I went in. I figured it out. And then for the rest of the day, anybody who came in my office, I would say, want to see my cursor? <laughs> my big cursor. <laughs> it's so dumb. But I decided, you know what? This is an excellent litmus test. How good of a friend are you to me? Depended on your response. If you said, oh my God, that is so awesome. Show me how you did that. Then that's the mark of a true friend who really understood and appreciated me. Whereas other people were like, I can't believe you're getting this excited about this. Or as one person did, who shall be nameless, I'm too busy. I offered to give her a free tutorial on how to (laughs) enlarge her cursor. (laughs) And she said, I don't care about the size of my cursor right now. Can you believe well, and I have to say, pearls before swine. I know. Well, and I have to say, it's also a good example of why accommodations are good for everybody. Because, yes. you know, this thing that was helpful to someone who had vision yeah. problems, that it's great for, that's useful for everybody. So I know. There you go. And see, she appreciated how excited I was about the size of her cursor. Yeah. How I, I had cursor envy. Yes. And, <laughs> but yeah. So, so go yes. into settings and then it's personalization. Personalization. We'll put in the show notes so that <laughs> people get their lives can be improved. Booty also showed me, cause I had a little tutorial for her that I could change the color of it. So now mine is a beautiful turquoise blue giant Ooh. cursor. You yes. could change the cursor, like depending on your mood. Red, yeah. <laughs> like don't. <laughs> I know. And when people are meeting with you, you could say, I'm starting to feel a little upset. Let me change my cursor to red. 
yes. you know, this is, you, you could go in and it could be like a, kind of like a mood ring, yes, you know, exactly. like what color is your cursor today? And then people would know to leave you alone. Right. You know, you could just say it is a red cursor day. Yes. And then people would just know. You could so, have sort of a, you could even have like a stoplight, you know, green. <laughs> yeah. I've reached my capacity. Yeah. Well, I think we've reached our capacity for yes. this episode. It's time to say. I think it's time to say. Whatever, whatever you, you do, do, don't, don't knit like, like my, my sister. sister. Yes. And where can we go for show notes? Bootyandbossy.com. You can mm. email us at bootyandbossy at gmail.com. I did have a few people ask me. <laughs> it's B-O-O-T-I-E-A-N-D-B-O-S-S-Y because we didn't know what we were doing and we made it complicated to spell. <laughs> yeah, you have to work on it to get here, but it's worth it once you do. Yeah. And exactly. that's all we should say. 